0: Welcome to the Jolly Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Barrett. This podcast is for those who are interested in the conversation around diversity, inclusion, and equity. Each week, I'll be interviewing a guest who has something special to share or is actively part of building solutions in this space. Let's get started. All right, so... Today, I am excited to have Cynthia Mundy on the show, and thank you for being here. Thanks for
1: having me.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She, Cynthia Mundy is a Bay Area native working in technology. She's served in a number of capacities, including diversity and inclusion, chairing a Black employee resource group for many years. She's a singer, an actor. Um, just a fabulous individual. And in light of the continued attention on racial injustice, I thought it might be helpful to just talk a little bit about how and why we started um, the journey that we had. Cynthia and I go back a long ways. And over the past 20 years, my husband and I hosted a Kwanzaa event in our home And we've always invited the community, had a multicultural audience, educated, you know, showcasing African and diasporan history and culture. And Peter, my husband, was a curious individual um, who's now passed, but loved history and had a lot of Black experiences, you know, ended up being a professional storyteller. And although he loved every culture, he was guided by his storytelling coach, to focus on black culture, mostly because there was such a need for education in that area. Um, So he began began to call himself the Jolly, which as you notice is also the title of the Jolly podcast. So before I start on that journey, I wanted to just talk a little bit about Kwanzaa and how we started that whole uh, celebration for us. Kwanzaa is an African-American holiday celebrated from December 26th through January 1st. It's based on the agricultural celebrations of Africa called the first fruit celebrations, which were times of harvest, ingathering, reverence, commemoration, recommitment, and celebration. It's a time to celebrate heritage, achievements, reverence for the creator and creation, commemoration of the past, recommitment to cultural ideals and celebration of the good. And really, one of the reasons that I bring this up is because the journey for us in Kwanzaa, when we created our own Kwanzaa celebration, began with Cynthia Mundy. And so I wanted to really just kind of reach out and have you talk a little bit about your family background maybe, and how you were exposed to Kwanzaa.
1: Um, Family background, well, I'm a native San Franciscan. And uh, my family comes from Alabama as well as from from Georgia. So, and most people just migrated here. So my dad's side and my mom's side migrated here to the San Francisco area. Um, In regard to uh, Kwanzaa, I really got into that with my Aunt Evelyn She started this, I want to say it was early 90s, maybe like 93, I want to say 94. It was the first 94 because my son was just one. And we went there and she wanted me to sing. And I really didn't understand Kwanzaa even at that time. So that's where I started and got into learning more about the Black history kind of stuff because really we didn't go through that in the city. You got the surface things more like Martin Luther King, um, Malcolm X, but I didn't have this part of the the Black history. So that's how it kind of started for me um, with her and attending each year to sing. And then from that other activities, you know, came, other people will request for me to sing at other events, whether it was the 100 Black Women or for the um, the March, uh, we would, the uh, Freedom Train ride from San Jose to San Francisco, I would sing at the opening of that. So it kind of um, helped me to, to open up more to what this Black history thing was really about other than just me being Black, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of where it started from.
0: Well, and if I remember correctly, she would have celebrations and she would invite the community into her home.
1: Yes, she had um, the, I forget how many she had in her home, but it got, um, grew, I should say the people, the number of people grew over the years, but she would host in her home and it was important for her to host it in her home because she wanted the community to come in and for us to have unity. And it was more like a family. Um, gathering when we all came together there, uh, just seeing everyone genuinely care about one another and what's happening in one another's lives. That's what I saw when I went there. And each year I just got overwhelmed because there was so many people coming in there, but uh, it was her passion. And she created this binder and passed it on to me. And then that's when I passed it on to Pete and saying, here you go, you know, let's get it get it started, you know, over here. And I think from that point on, he just, it just grew. He started having it in his home and now it's a big community gathering, um, in your home.
0: Yeah. It's, and it has grown over the years. I think it was, what's so exciting to me about it is when he became really excited about it, it was, we were struggling at that time with, um, just having a young family. And realizing that, you know, Christmas and Kwanzaa and there was all sorts of things happening. And we didn't have a lot of money at the time. I think our kids wanted lots of things and we wanted to give them lots of things. Mm-hmm. But I think we had this uh, focus on trying to figure out how do we create a baseline for delivering information to our kids about our own culture. Without really focusing on the commercialization of it, and I think what was nice for us is that um Kwanzaa is such a celebration that is not built on having to deliver a bunch of gifts. but it was really something where you really treasured the traditions and the ceremony and you know just the connection with others,
1: right. yeah. no, so I was gonna say also too when you said that it's it's also about getting everyone involved. And so I know my aunt, she would get all the children involved to recite the principles. Um, she would get other people in to do the other reverence of the creator. So it was really about involving everyone in this gathering. So then you could learn more and appreciate it more. That's what I started to do as I moved along and intended more um, celebrations.
0: Yeah. where Do you think she was having challenges or what challenges do you think she experienced that made her want to develop her own Kwanzaa?
1: Um, I'm not sure if it was more of a challenge. I just think it was more of her passion. She was really about community. Uh, my aunt started um, in the 70s. She had her own child development, um, child care agency up in San Francisco. And when she moved from there in the, the late 70s, she started a child development agency. In, in San Jose, and it was all about community for her, all about helping people, helping um, under underserved youth and, and those who were having trouble. It was all about her getting them to understand who they are, where they've come from, and get them excited about being more you know, active in the community. That was, I think, what just drove her. Um, I guess she may have been introduced to Kwanzaa at some point, but I think it was always a part of her. So I just felt like, oh, this is something for her to use her God-given, you know, talents for and her passion.
0: Yeah, and you talked a little bit about how the what, what the celebrations were like with you singing and getting other folks involved. Can you talk a little bit about what those programs looked like?
1: Um, so the programs she would get our family when we first started it was mainly our family who would like sing, or, and, they, and then the kids would recite the principals. And my uncle would be reverence, doing the reverence for their creator. And you had other people doing the table, you know, explaining the items on the Kwanzaa table. I think as years went by, my uncle became like the one. He was like Pete. Um, so he would be like your main uh, facilitator, so to speak. Um, and then she would get, as a grand, her grandchildren grew older, you know, just getting them to participate. I think always trying to get the kids to participate was the most challenging. But the adults, I from the times that I went, they had no problem jumping in. Let's do it. They were excited to come together to fellowship and just catch up on what's going on with each other.
0: Yeah, it was kind of that one part of the year that I always felt like if you didn't see somebody any other time during the year, That you could come together and really just kind of recommit and, you know, um, fellowship and and have some food and commune together um, at least that one time. So I think we started off, I want to say, the first Kwanzaa had maybe, I think we had four families uh, with maybe, what, 12 of us or so? Maybe 15 of us? Yeah. And now it's, I think we've had, you know, crowds up over 100 in the house and we were always very focused on making sure that it didn't move to another facility because a, a lot of folks will celebrate in, you know, different community centers and there's nothing wrong with that. I think right. it just provides kind of a, a different feel when you're having it in your home.
1: Yes, it's, it does. Because I've gone to different uh, Kwanzaa-like events and it's, it's not as... Um, Oh, I can't describe the feeling, but it's not like that home family connected kind of feeling. You understand what's happening there. They're going through the principles and explaining Kwanzaa, but it's not the same as when you're in a home. It just seems more like family um, and more uh, family oriented, I should say, when you come together in a home.
0: Yeah. And I think even with the kids, you know, even over the years as the kids grow up, You know, it's just that safe space for uh, the kids to make mistakes and, you know, but really learn about their culture. And I think for a long time, I know Peter and I, when we think about our kids, we never thought they were even listening
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because, you know, it's like you're trying to drill in different things about your culture and then all of a sudden you look up and they're teenagers and you think they haven't listened but they actually have been listening. Right. And it's it's really kind of, um, it's just rewarding to kind of see that they start to embrace their own identity. Right. Because I think that's part of the challenge is just learning and understanding how your identity is going to impact you. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, with now, uh, there's so much conversation about racial injustice. And I'm sure you've had your, own experiences about, you know, in the corporate world, some of which you're, if you want to share, feel free, but, um, (laughs) I'm sure there are things that are frustrating, exhausting. I know I've had, you know, just, just the trauma of reliving things a lot. Um, and you know, the injustice of it all. What do you think we could, do, because I think about the principles of Kwanzaa as something we can use every day. So when we talk about um, the principles of unity, self-determination, work, collective work and responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity, and faith, we should be thinking about on a regular basis. And I know it was created in order to really help lift an entire culture out of the civil rights movement to really kind of take that negative anger and really turn it into something positive. So you think that's been helpful or how have you embraced those principles?
1: I have to think about this for a minute. So just thinking about the principles, unity. I think comes to mind when I think about all that has gone on, that's going on, especially the current climate. Um, I think that comes to mind only because I, I think we all need to come together. I still think even amongst our, cult, in our cult, within our culture rather, there is still um, some division. And I think we all need to come together and, and understand what, what who we are you know, and understanding our culture so that we know that we value ourselves. And if we value ourselves, then other people will value, you know, us as well. And that is the unity to me that we need to have is let's value one another and be able to take that out into the world and not, I don't know, fight against one another. I see, even though we've come together a lot with what's going on, I still see that part of it there. Um, self determination, we is to define ourselves, name ourselves, create for ourselves, and speak for ourselves. That's something that I see um, happening, but I still think our culture could be a bit stronger in that self determination. Just those first two just stick with me. If we can really hone in on those and embrace those. I think as a people in our culture, will be, be stronger. And then when I think about even coming into the workplace, just looking at unity and self-determination, I can, can have that as an individual, but when you have uh, a group like we have a, a Black a group employees group there, it, it still, still seems we're not all in the, in the place we need to be so that we can show that, what do you call it, strength in numbers. And be able to to rise up and and have a voice and make change um, i I see things happening now because of the current climate, but I guess it took something of that magnitude to get us all to start saying, "Hey, we all need to pull together
0: well, and I think it's it, it, you know it's it's very optimistic. I think I'm optimistic that we have people involved in the conversation that likely have never been involved in the conversation before. Um, So it is encouraging. And I, you know, to pick up on your discussion about self-determination, you know, about defining ourselves, naming ourselves, creating for ourselves and speaking for ourselves. I think part of the um, information that a lot of, you know, groups are looking at today, even in corporations, is the ability to make sure that the, the collective group, uh, whether it be Black employees or people of color, whether they are actually being included in the conversation. Because I think everybody is looking to take a lot of action, but the process to make sure that the the collective community is engaged and providing feedback is so significantly important. And I think sometimes we just rush to take action and we're not connecting those dots. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. (music) So even in terms of cooperative economics, we have a lot of things going on now where uh, people are interested in supporting Black business and funding Black business, which is great. So, you know, how do you think you'll 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 see some of that as we go?
1: You know, I I actually think that um, for me, I'm looking to support more Black businesses, and I'm definitely always seeing like, you know, the the um, advertisements come up in my thread on Facebook or. Something like that to support Black business. I'm looking forward to doing more of that because I don't think I do enough of it. But it's probably because I'm not aware. So I'm trying to make myself aware by doing more research and actually supporting them. Because if we support, you know, one another, then our businesses can can grow and be mainstream as opposed to you know sitting in the back and then uh, eventually, you know, having to die out. So I'm looking to do more of that, and I love seeing people become entrepreneurs. Um, whether it's uh, selling products, whether it's selling a service, I love it. So I'm I'm looking to do more of that, and I I think where what's because of what's happened is kind of like been the the motivator for for people to want to do either become entrepreneurs or to support those who
0: are. Yeah. Do you think there's? Uh, I mean, in terms of just creating solutions, I think a lot of the principles are focus areas for me in terms of just, you know, creativity and purpose. And you have a lot of creativity when it comes to your own singing and acting. So, you know, I think a lot over the years, as we've, you know, kind of pulled in those things for our own celebrations, I think there is a, um, a thought process for people to be able to pull in other cultures and, diversity in general as they go about their own business on a day-to-day basis. And I think it it creates a lot uh, more innovation throughout uh, the world, really. So, I wonder if there are, you know, you work in technology and typically there are not a lot of people of color in technology. Do you think there are other solutions we might want to tap into
1: um, when you, what you, how do you mean solutions, other solutions?
0: like So are there, are there things, I know there are folks looking at, you know, like how to pull in additional people of color into corporations or technology, STEM programs.
1: Um, I, I don't know. Well, the solutions I think that are out there um, just need to actually be work because I think they've been talked about for a long time. Uh, going to HBCUs, getting, you know, college students to intern from from those schools. And I think not just the HBCUs, but other just even local colleges, I think they could reach out to or even, um, what do you call it, Uh, the the trade schools, someone who's just going to a technology, you know, type school, not to get a, a bachelor's or any type of degree like that. But I think that we could cast the net out that way. Um, because everyone's not going to a, a a college or you know a city college or a university, they could be someone who just attends a course and becomes great at coding or you know become a good hacker. Or however, you know they do. They're not all in school, so I think just casting the net in different um, areas other than your typical your your schools would be a way to actually move it forward. Because right now, I think they're doing things to bring people in of diverse, you know, cultures, but uh, we're not all in school. So I think we could just do, cast it a little wider, I think.
0: Definitely.
1: In terms of
0: just kind of going back to Kwanzaa and some of the things, you know, in terms of when you complete a Kwanzaa event,
1: you know, what, what does it make you feel like? Well, I feel bad because I should be doing it like more often. I keep saying, you know what? I just need to do this every day, practice these principles and, and, you know, read through our whole Kwanzaa, you know, uh, event. So I kind of get that, oh, I feel guilty because I'm not doing this on a regular basis. And, but then it's like, okay, this is motivation. You know, as black people, we can come together. We can do events and they can be successful. We have a lot of people with um, professionals, you know, that we can use their skills. You know, you learn more about people there. And it's like, I need to connect with that person. So I leave saying, okay, I need to do this better. I need to connect with this person. I need to start this ministry over here. I leave with all these grand ideas, but then life happens. And I just kind of let the ball, you know, drop, but it it definitely when i i'm i'm there and when i leave it's like i really need to dig more into my culture um because i don't do it enough um i think i started this and i um when when i start talking to Pete in black and i'm like um, i'm not from africa and he was like what you know <laughs> excuse me so he kind of just pushed me to like start thinking okay you're not just black because that's, you know, I grew up in San Francisco, and other than my Aunt Evelyn, there wasn't anyone in the family championing, championing, I can't say the word, but you know what I mean, pushing, um, learn about your culture, about your Blackness. And so I just grew up with the basic, and I'm like, man, but when I talked to Pete about this and went and did my 23andMe DNA, and I also did Ancestry, that's all we would talk about. And so I learned a whole lot more you know, just about me. And it's like, okay, you're black, but your ancestry is from Africa. You are Nigerian and you have this, this, and this. So I'm learning all this stuff, you know, about me. So when, you know, I get to Kwanzaa, it's like, man, I really need to dig down deeper into the bone marrow about my blackness and where I come from and actually be more um, confident in talking about it. Uh, not just I'm black, I'm dealing with, you know, I deal with racism. People don't like me because of my skin color or whatever. And it's like, that's just basic stuff. But do you know why? Do you get to the the marrow of why? And that's what Kwanzaa does for me. It's like, dig a little deeper, sister.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's a great point because I think part of it, too, really goes to your core identity. Yeah. And so, you know, as I used to think about it, it was always interesting because you you shape your own identity. and if you if if you don't know where you came from and the strength of your ancestors, the kings and queens that existed back in Africa well before slavery began, you start to think that the education and the journey is all tied into slavery and and right. I think you miss that definite marrow part yeah. of your being <laughs> in yeah. terms of what that brings um, for you as an individual so and I think we all come from there, right? So we all have it inside of us, um, and it's a matter of us actually being intentional about understanding our own history and our own education. Right. Right. So what are you, do you think that, um, I know I'm looking at my kids who are now in their twenties and they have now this past year really gotten into trying to assist with planning Kwanzaa. So that's been kind of exciting because, you know, in the past they were like, oh, man, we got to clean the house and whatever. (laughs) But getting them to participate and really, you know, think about what they want to do for their own families. And now, you know, they're they're creating their own Kwanzaa's and, you know, um, those things blossom. So I'm excited to see the next generation kind of get into that Kwanzaa celebration as well. And do you know anybody, uh, you know, specifically in your area? I know we live fairly far apart um, that attend or, you know, are interested in Kwanzaa celebrations.
1: I don't know anyone that's having anything. I I know that my uncle who used to um, facilitate my aunt's Kwanzaa, he would probably be. I'm not sure if he attends anything, but I know he's all into the culture. Um, as well. Uh, so I'm sure he's doing some things. But other than that, I don't know anyone other than our um, mutual friends that actually participate in, in Kwanzaa and in in my community. I haven't even heard of a Kwanzaa uh, celebration here. In, I'm in the Bay Area. have not heard of one near me in the East Bay. Uh, and I'm sure there are. I just have not. Um, it's not widely advertised. So Yeah.
0: And I'm hoping, you know, well, the one thing that I would hope would come from my legacy one day would be that everybody who has come to our Kwanzaa celebration would at least try to create one of their own so that other people can learn and be educated about uh, the African-American culture as well.
1: Yes, and I know that's gonna be something that I need to like really step up on because I have grandchildren now, and they are biracial, they're um uh, black and Mexican. So I have to be able to step up so that I can help to teach them about their culture, their their african American culture. Um, they're learning, you know, when they're learning a lot about their Mexican culture because when you're the mom, you know, usually that's where the kids spend most of their time, but I want to try to get you know some books and start to teach them more about their, their culture. I think is important, like you said, for them to be able to carry it on. Um, but right now, they have not been exposed to it, so I need to get them exposed to it so that they want to participate.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it starts small, right? You don't have to yeah. do a big event, but um, even being able to rely on some of these principles I think it's helped me to get over some of the emotion um, that I've had in the past, you know, few weeks, months, you know, even years, when you go through things to just be able to kind of recenter on, you know, your own purpose or your faith. Right. Or right. you know, so I think um it's kind of it's it's one of those things where you want to keep those things in the front of your mind so that you don't react. The way maybe you want to react, (laughs) but you really, (laughs) really, you know, have the ability to make change in the community. So, right. So, I know one of the other things I wanted to ask you about um, because in your acting career, you also participated in a a theater theater production called "Being Black" and Tracy, and it kind of outlined a lot of the black history of Tracy. It was written by former city council member, Evelyn Tolbert. And what was that experience like? And, you know, I'm sure you didn't know any of Tracy's history back then.
1: No, I didn't, (laughs) but it it was definitely a history lesson. So just learning, you know, having the first black nurse, I think I was in another play in one of the Tracy plays with that and then kind of spawned the being black in Tracy, so it was interesting to learn um, a bit about how it was to be black um, in in Tracy. Uh, the being in the play was a, a challenge I took on, and I was I thought I bit off more than I could chew um, through it. But um, I actually did, did okay going through that, and and actually meeting some people uh, that were portraying some of the other characters there. Um, and I think one of the other plays, Being Black and Tracy, I actually had the opportunity, and I can't recall her name, to meet the nurse that I was playing. So that was, I was so honored that she was there to actually see me act out her part. And and um, she definitely was appreciative of what I did and felt that I, I did it, just right. So, um, it, being black and Tracy was was a, a good experience for me, and just didn't realize that Tracy had that type of history <laughs> there. So, it was good to to be a part of that.
0: It's a bit eclectic, for sure. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but you know, yeah. we're all growing, right? We all have uh, you know pasts uh, somewhere. Um, some of it not oh, yeah. so good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But but this is um I think just even looking at, you know, the current situations that's happened I have felt myself being um angry, being exhausted, being just heartbroken because no one should lose their life, you know, for something so trivial, but it just made me look back over history. It's this isn't the first time it's been happening. For, for hundreds of years and it's taken, I guess, this, and because of where we are with technology, for it to actually be in everyone's face. You could say, oh why, why, why did it take so long? But it's like, okay, let's just look at it and say, hey, it's it's here. And now they see and hopefully we can see some changes to the system so that things could get better um and they can value Black lives because it just has not, our lives have not been valued. And I'm hoping that some of the the voting that will be coming up, people will get out to vote so that we can make sure our voices are heard through there as well as being there when they're making these laws and policies, getting involved there and getting involved in the community um, so that people know, yes, we're here and we're here to help to make our community better for everyone. So it's it's just made me think even just my community that I'm in. I, it's sad to say, I don't really, I, I know maybe my neighbor on one side of me and we had new neighbors move in and people just are so close to getting to know you. But it's like, okay, we don't bite. But that seems to be how people are these days. It's like they see you and sometimes it's, they judge you by your appearance and they tend to like withdraw and not really engage. So I've seen that with the new neighbors that moved in, but our other neighbors, when they moved in, they were open arms and coming over, just saying we're introducing ourselves and things like that. So it's, I'm, this whole thing, and I know I went around about way, but has had a lot of thoughts running through my mind and just the way that I feel and just the way that the community, I interact with my community here, just my neighbors. I honestly don't know any of them so and it's a sad thing but i'm hoping that this will spark a change even with that so we can yeah. do better
0: and i think you know it's interesting because um certainly i have been there have been a lot of new emails um from people that maybe haven't reached out before just even because you're now sharing your experience there is there's seemingly at least a lot more empathy for the journey um, and yeah. understanding the journey. So I think that's that's positive in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the challenge is, you know, you have people that have been around and doing it for years. I mean, I have you know that even during our Kwanzaa events, there's there's probably some some allies that have been to more Kwanzaa's than the Black folks <laughs> that yes. that um, are there. So, you know, just being able to, you know, experience things um, can often just totally broaden your perspective. Mm-hmm. So being able to have those connections, I think, is good. But I think from a systemic perspective, there is just so much work to do.
1: Yeah yeah
0: and it becomes exhausting, so yeah, you know I think you you're out there kind of constantly working in the community. um you know, I think we all try to uh, put in as much as we can um what other what other things would you like out there in terms of uh, you know as we get into more detail on on Kwanzaa? are there other things that you want to talk about that you remember? Any fond memories?
1: Uh, um, I, Nothing comes to mind right now. Uh, I mean, as it relates to to Kwanzaa, I mean, I've enjoyed all the Kwanzaa celebrations that I've been to with my aunt and as well as with you guys in the Baird home. Uh, just, it makes me, uh, I don't know, happy, I guess, to see how this has grown from my aunt's. Kwanzaa, and you have been going strong for 20 years, and I just think that, you know, I wish she had had an opportunity to, like, attend um, and see it, but I know she's smiling down, going, good job, you guys. So, um, but no, other than the opportunities to meet people and, and get other, um, I guess, invites to other community events like the NAACP in Oakland. the one I mean, um, San Jose, the NAACP uh, sung at an installation or something they had there, as well as the 100 Black Women Coalition in San Jose. That kind of came out of me singing at Kwanzaa with my aunt. I did something for the 100 Black Men Coalition in San Jose, all because of participating in Kwanzaa. So, that kind of helped me grow as a, I guess, an entertainer, so to speak. She would always tell me, you're a professional. And I say, oh, I'm not professional. She said, yes, you are. So she was very good at um, encouraging me and motivating me. So I do miss that, you know, about her, but just those are the, the things that i fond memories of just starting my journey, Kwanzaa with her as well as with with um, you guys getting into the acting, because I didn't think I was an actress, um, but I learned to love it. <laughs> uh, being in the Tracy plays, as well as going into our own, we had a program at church called Open Mic Group. Um, getting that set up to where we had, uh, it was mainly for the youth to bring in their friends to come either sing it, say it, or play it. And so you can sing something, you can do poetry, or you can play an instrument. So we started that for them. That kind of grew from me participating in Kwanzaa's like, let's get this together and get people involved. Um, and out of that, I started doing like improv, creating different characters and just flying by the seat of my pants, as they say, with whatever the line was going to be, are given a over, you know, high level. And then I just take off from there. And become whoever the character is, Gladys or whoever. Um, Jerome, so I remember Jerome. Yes, <laughs> Jerome. <laughs> I did so, not even recognize <laughs> you when I walked in. I was like, "What?" Yes. Yeah. So all of that just kind of brings back memories, you know, from just getting involved in Kwanzaa. Because I don't think I've ever would have. I don't think I've ever would have done any type of acting had one. I did the stuff for my aunt and then Pete encouraged me to do the acting stuff. And I was like, no, no, I don't talk. Like I told you, I don't talk. I just sing. Um, it, and it, I just developed a, a passion for it. I love it. I don't do it as much as I you know, would want. But man, it, it just kind of allows you to be outside of yourself. And, and kind of have some freedoms um, there when you get into characters. So it, it brings back all that, and it kind of has shaped me into who I am as as an artist um, right now. So I lots have, has come with us a little. Yeah.
0: <laughs> kind of creates the whole platform, right? You get yeah, to, you get to practice all along the way. So Yes.
1: Yeah. So I love it. and I just that's the part of me being, wanting to be bring out more of the artist in myself and again my aunt um and a lot a lot of people along the ways and then pete you know along the ways pushing me you can do it you're gonna do it you know and I'm like no I'm not you know (laughs) yes you are so it just all of this just helped my artistic person and I'm still trying to grow in that area and do more and as I remember them, they come to mind when things come up. It's like, hey, do this. They they pushed you along the way. Now you gotta keep on pushing, you know, and and, and make it happen and also encourage other people. And that's what I've done along the way as well. Encourage people to use their talents um, for others and and to like pay it forward. You know, I when people reach out and want help advice, I give it to them. And then that's like, pay it forward. So somebody else can learn and grow as well. So. Definitely. Each one, each one. That's right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So that's what I've been getting out of. Lift as you climb, right? Yes,
1: definitely. That's awesome. Uh, It's been a, a journey and I'm still on it. Um, I think also I've been looking at just growing, Culturally, because when you said about the culture earlier, and I was like, "Yeah," I said that's something that I just haven't jumped into enough, and I I want to make that one of my goals, you know, this year, and as we plan Kwanzaa and just start to work on doing something, not just Kwanzaa, but try to do some every other month or something to where we're pulling in the community, we're gathering together to spur one another on, so
0: so needed in this time period for sure yes so well I want to thank you so much for being here you know I think you talked about stretching yourself and you know this is another way to stretch yourself get out here and do the podcast because I think I'm stretching myself too so
1: I'm really stretching
0: (laughs) So I appreciate you being here and giving us some perspective, talking a little bit about Kwanzaa. And um, we look forward to having ongoing conversations for sure. All right. Thank you for having me. Giving honor to uh, Evelyn Cox and Peter Barrett. Hashtag remember the Jolly. Have a good night. Thanks for joining me on the Jolly Podcast. Please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. See you next week.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.